Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Sorry for not being around uh, last week. I had a family emergency. Um, my mother had a serious procedure that had to be done, and it was uh, quite serious. The good news is that she's uh, doing really, really well, as, as good as possible, and um, yeah, uh, everything's okay now. It was uh, It was scary, though, but things are good, and I'm back. All right. I have quite a lot to go through tonight. My main topic, it, it sounds like a, a crazy, crazy thing to say, but it's true. Uh, it's, you know, kind of following up on what we talked about last, uh, last episode, which is modern feminism is a disaster for women. I'm going to be talking a lot about the, the, mass, the, the massive amount of sexual assaults and rapes that are going on in Europe due to the migrant crisis that they have, and uh, modern feminism's absolutely unbelievable but true reaction to this is that it's not rape if it's a Muslim. There are people that really believe this, and they're important, I suppose, as far as that movement is con concerned. It's just more proof that um, these people are... They're, they're crazy. Uh, they're, it's... Uh, you know, I get into these topics, and and that this is what I've been into really for the past couple of weeks. And it's just the more I learn, the more infuriating and the more terrifying it is on what's going on in the world, and what the people who are purportedly those who are going to protect women are are doing. And it's the exact opposite. It's it's crazy, and it's it's all true. You, you couldn't make it up. I have some vape uh, topics to uh, go over. Uh, let me let me do those first. So. Uh, first of all, uh, for those of you, uh, boy, this is a, these legal things take a long time, but uh, the ball's rolling. We filed a lawsuit after Bloomberg uh, ramrodded through his uh, ban on vaping in public spaces, both in and outdoor in uh, New York City. Um, yeah, you can't even vape in Central Park. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, you, uh, we, uh, we being Audrey Silk from NYC Clash and I filed a lawsuit against the city of New York. Uh, a judge dismissed our lawsuit um, without, <laughs> I don't even think he read it, and uh, certainly didn't spend much time in his paper that he wrote that uh, that dismissed our suit, but we are having we are uh, following through with an appeal. The appeal has been filed uh, about a week ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than a week. So the ball is rolling. Now, I would love to try to tell you the particulars of, of this. I, I follow it because I'm copied on all of the emails between the lawyers, our lawyers and Audrey, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to bother. It's way over my head. It's fucking complicated shit. But let, let me just tell you, um, both Audrey and the lawyers, they are working their asses off on this. And, and Audrey has other things going on too. With uh, she, she has a lawsuit going. You should go to nycclash.com just to see what she's up to. Uh, she's, she's got another lawsuit on, uh, for parks, uh, the New York, New York state parks that banned, uh, smoking. And, uh, there's a public housing, like if you live in public housing, they're going to make it so that you can't smoke in your own home. So, uh, she's got a lot going on, but, uh, needless to say, she's working very hard on this and it's pretty intense stuff. The good news is that the judge did just such a bullshit reaction is you know we have a very good chance of having our appeal approved so that's good there's also an interesting thing that popped up 
that's going to help our case, actually, according to our, our lawyers, that I'd like to tell you about very quickly. A uh, gentleman by the name of Sean Thomas, that name might ring a bell. Uh, he does vaping videos, but he is definitely more well-known for his videos where he tapes himself being harassed by the NYPD, and he has a very no-nonsense uh, approach to uh, their harassment, which has been going on for years now. So anyway, he, uh, well, the, the city or the, the cops that arrested him posit that he was uh, that he was using an electronic cigarette on a subway platform uh, and they came up to him and they you know there was there's a videotape of it if you want to go to his YouTube channel you can watch the actual arrest anyway he represented himself in court also known as pro se and so he defended himself and he won uh, he actually got the the charge thrown out by the city uh, which is actually very helpful to our case. Um, I'm just going to read the highlights from uh, the decision by the court. This is in the uh, Kings County, uh, New York City. Uh, the judge said, this case pertain, presents the evolving issue of prohibitions on the use of electronic vapor cigarettes in public places. Defendant was using such a device on a subway platform. When the police approached him to issue a summons, Defendant declined to provide identification and instead used an obscenity in telling the police to leave him alone. He was placed under arrest. Procedural history. Defendant uh, Thomas was arraigned on June 9th, 2015, on a complaint charging him with violating smoking restrictions under the New York State Public Health Law, obstructing governmental administration in the second degree, and disorderly conduct under the penal law, and disorderly conduct under the New York City Transit Rules of, Con New York City Transit Rules of Conduct. Uh, okay, court agreed to let him uh, represent himself. They tried to block him from doing that. They were unable to do so. Isn't that, isn't that a funny thing? They absolutely do not want you defending yourself, which I would think, why would they care? I mean, why, why would they want, well, I don't know. I think it's because uh, if you get a uh, public defender, they're just going to roll over on it, whereas, well, he actually won. Incredible. Okay. Um the accusatory instrument lists the charges in descending order of severity, but a logical analysis of its sufficiency must begin with a consideration of what's charged as the third count, a violating of smoking restrictions. Why they want to violate why they want to analyze that first is because it was the impetus for the interaction or by the contact between the police and him. Okay, uh, count three, public health law smoking restrictions. The complaint states that the defendant was observed smoking an electronic vapor cigarette on the northbound platform of the Nevins subway station on the 2-3 line, which is not a designated smoking area. For this conduct, defendant is charged in the third count of the information under uh, PHL 1399. In fact, there is no such provision. Article 13E of the New York State Public Health Law 1399-N addresses the regulation of smoking in public and workplaces. Both the title of the charge defense smoking restrictions and the facts relied upon in the information before this court make it plain that the defendant that the defendant is charged with a violation of public health law 1399-0 uh, correction of the statute number so they charged him with the wrong thing but correction of the statute number would not salvage this accusatory accusatory instrument however public health law 1399-0 1E provides that smoking shall not be permitted and no person shall, shall smoke in the following indoor areas. 
public means of mass transportation, including subways, underground subway stations, etc. Essential to this provision is the term smoking, which is defined in PHL 1399-N. Smoking means the burning of a lighted cigar, cigarette, pipe, or any other matter or substance which contains tobacco. An electronic cigarette neither burns nor contains tobacco. Instead, the use of such a device, which is commonly referred to as vaping, involves the inhalation of vaporized e-cigarette liquid consisting of water, nicotine, a base of propylene glycol or vegetable glycerin, and occasionally flavoring. This does not fit within the definition of smoking under PHL 1399-0. The people, meaning the state, contend that no specific prohibition on electronic cigarettes is necessary because, quote, the courts of New York have yet to make a determination as to whether electronic cigarettes are to be viewed any differently under these sections than tobacco cigarettes. But this is precisely backward. There are no common law crimes in New York. This court has just as jurisdiction only over actions bought, brought pursuant to statutory prohibitions and only where the accusatory instrument makes out every element of the offense as it is defined by statute. Moreover, it is well established that, quote, laws which create crime ought to be so explicit that all men subject to their penalties may know what acts it is their duty to avoid. The legislative body of New York City has taken measures to address this issue. Since April 29, 2014, it has been illegal under New York City's Smoke-Free Air Act to use electronic cigarettes in certain public places. In fact, that is the uh, law that we are challenging, not in this lawsuit, but the one that Audrey uh, has filed. The New York State Legislature is also well aware of the public health law, but does not currently prohibit the use of electronic cigarettes. Indeed, on June 18th, 2015, 10 days after the occurrence alleged in this case, the New York State Assembly approved Bill A-05955, a bill to amend PHL 1399-0, to make the restrictions relating to smoking in public areas applicable to electronic cigarettes. That bell died in the Senate, however, and was returned to the uh, Assembly in January of 2016. The charge of violation of smoking restrictions under the New York State Public Health Law is facially insufficient. Uh, count four, disorderly conduct under the transit rules. The fourth count of, of uh, information uh, charges the defendant under a provision uh, cited as RR1050 entitled Disorderly Conduct. The, new, the rules of New York City, properly uh, abbreviated RCNY, include at Section 1050 provisions governing the conduct and safety of the public in the use of facilities of the New York City Transit Authority. RCNY 1050.7 provides that no person or no person on or in any facility or conveyance shall smoke or carry an open flame lighted match, cigar, cigarette, pipe, or torch, and deems a violation of that provision to be disorderly conduct. The term facility is described in RCNY 1050.2 and includes the subway platform where the, defendant, where the defendant was observed. Unlike the public health law, the transit authority rules do not separately define the term smoke. Nevertheless, the references in the provision to open flame or lighted match or torch suggest that the concern addressed by that by this provision is the risk of fire. Defendant argues that the allegation that he that he possessed an electronic vapor cigarette 
is conclusory in the absence of any further description of the device. The words electronic vapor sufficiently describe the device and critically make it clear that this is not an item that is lit by flame or that actually burns. The factual allegations of the information do not make out this violation of the MTA's rules of conduct. Accordingly, defendant's motion to dismiss this charge is granted. Amazing. He won. Now, the weird thing is, is that it kind of makes it clear from what the judge wrote that, I mean, she cited, the judge cited the fact that New York City has already passed the law, the one that Audrey and I are challenging in court, that it makes it illegal to do so, and it makes it illegal to do so on the public, uh, on the subway, on a subway platform. But that's not what the cop cited him with. I don't know why the cop cited him with the wrong thing. I haven't, you know what I think? They got these tickets, like the, the cops who work, uh, who do beats on uh, on subway platforms, they have a ticket with basically everything that you can get charged for, for jumping the turnstile, for smoking, for, you know, littering, all that shit. It's just on one ticket and they just tick the box of whatever offense it is that occurred. So I just don't think they've updated their ticket. I think it just has the old, they, they, they don't, they didn't bother to update, you know, and change the tick box or add a tick box for vaping. That's what I think it is. Um, this would not stop a cop from taking out their other ticket book and finding a way to write the other ticket. Obviously, the law's on the books. They can write the ticket. Um, it appears they just didn't know how to. So this is interesting in that, I mean, now there is case law of a defendant who was acquitted from using an electronic cigarette. Uh, this is can only help us. I don't know to what extent it will, but it certainly can't hurt. It'll be interesting how this plays out in court, and we're glad it happened, and we're glad uh, Mr. Thomas was not um, was found not guilty, and I find it particularly impressive that he was able to do so by representing himself in court. And now we can use it. We'll see what happens. Okay, um, and I'll keep you updated with any whatever's happening. We we have no idea what uh, the next court date will be. We filed uh, our appeal, uh, again, for Audrey and I's case. I guess the state uh, gets to respond to it, and then from there, the judge will set a date. I have no idea when that's going to be, and I do not dare hazard a guess. So, uh, other stuff in the mailbag... Um, Okay, so I got that. This is kind of like a preview of what we're going to be doing next week. Next week, we're going to be talking a lot about what's going on in Chicago, which is a disaster. I I didn't know about it because I'm not following things as closely as I used to. So shame on me. Maybe some of you know about this. That this is a uh, it's nasty. It's it's bad. Chicago has this e-liquid tax. It went into effect um, six weeks ago. Um, basically, here's what the tax is. First, anything that is sold to a customer, whether it's a cartomizer, a 10 milliliter bottle, a 30 milliliter bottle, 120 milliliter bottle, doesn't matter, whatever it is, there's an 80 cent tax. Okay, fine, no big deal. Here's where it gets nasty. In the city of Chicago, there is a 55 cent per milliliter tax on the e-liquid. 
And then in Cook County, which which Chicago is in Cook County, there is an additional 20 milliliter tax. So we're just talking about a 30 milliliter bottle here. We got 55 cents per milliliter from the city, 20 cents per milliliter from the county, and then another 80 cents for the bottle. If you add that up for a 30 milliliter bottle, that's $23.30 in tax on a 30 milliliter bottle. That tax, by the way, has to be paid by the vape shop up front. And also, by the way, like I said, this law went into effect six uh, weeks ago, but even if they had stock on the wall that they've had there for a month, two months, six months, doesn't matter, that tax has to be paid now on everything that they've already had in, in, in stock in the past. They'd be better off just giving it away. It's $23.30 for a 30 milliliter bottle that has to be paid up front. And then, you know, even, even a reasonably bottle, even a, I, I don't, I don't know what, what, what people are being, or what they're charging in Chicago, but I'm sure there's, you know, a range, you know, you could probably get a 30 mil bottle from anywhere from 10 to 20 to, you know, if it's premium, more stuff. So even if it's like a, a medium of medium road, a $15 bottle, the tax is $23.30. That, it, it's, <laughs> there's no way a business can stay in business. It, it's physically impossible. And that's what the show's about next week. What the, I, I want to know what the hell these shops are doing. How could they possibly stay in business? Nobody's going to buy, they, who, what vapor would go into a store in Chicago and pay $23.30 plus another 50. So it's 23 30 You're talking $40 for a 30 mil bottle. Nobody's going to do that. They could just get in their car, drive 15 minutes, and then the tax is zero or just sales tax. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not including sales tax. So it's it's well over $40. It's, it's insane. So nobody would buy. There's no way these stores can stay in business, assuming they're following the law. So... Uh, I saw a couple of things on this. Um, I saw, uh, I, I this is uh, posted by uh, the Vapor for Life uh, people. I have a feeling just reading it that Steve wrote this, although he's not, it says posted by uh, Lisa Marie, Marie Farver. It sounds, no, no, this I'm sure Steve wrote this. Yeah, I think he says he did. Okay. Um, Vapor for Life has been forced to close its Lincoln Square vape shop as of February 1st, 2016, due to Chicago's vape taxes. We're still available online and in Northbrook to help customers smoke smarter. To learn about Vapor for Life, uh, check out this stuff. Okay, Steve. Uh, man, oh man, money buys power. I, I just really like the way he wrote this. I, I think I think he just spoke this and somebody dictated it because that's, that's what it feels like, and I really like it. Man, oh man, the money buys power. The power taxes the people. The people suffer from a lack of choices, and America's freedom is lost again. Rahm Emanuel wants to kill you and make people believe it's for the good. He wants to stamp out vaping with abusive vape taxes so big tobacco can keep murdering the public by the millions. Why, Rahm, are you such a hypocrite? You tax the poor, middle class, and take money from the rich. You sell your soul. I will not have any business in Chicago because you are killing constituents, homeowners, taxpayers, and businesses, as well as your reputation. I am now forced to close my vaping store in Lincoln Square due to your abusive taxes to customers. 
We believe our products save lives. And compared to cigarettes, they are proven to be 95 to 95% less harmful than smoking. So why is there so much ignorance for, regarding the industry? I'll tell you why. Big tobacco, big bucks, big business, disinformation, control of the media, buying politicians like you. You say you want to help, but just read the papers now. It's like the old joke goes, how do you know when a politician is lying? They open their mouth. Reality is you're being, you're being found out now in so many more ways than just killing people because you force them to keep smoking. I smoked past tense for 40 years, buried both my parents and could not quit. It is not nicotine that addicts smokers. In actuality, it's the chemical cocktail of death, which Big Tobacco has been researching, modifying, and concocting to be more addictive than heroin. Nicotine's closest chemical is caffeine. Both are out of your body in about three days. The chemical cocktail of death wrecks, wreaks havoc on your body for several months, but you wouldn't know because you bury your head in somewhere, somewhere in Big Tobacco. Why? It's the money, Rom. Look at Chicago's anti-vaping campaign. The city's broke. Where the money come from from that? Huh? Get the picture? So today, I no longer will have my store of Vapor for Life in Chicago. Why? Because I cannot rip off my customers like you rip off your city. You see, I sell my juice for $13.99. I have to prepay you $17.40 per, per bottle. I think he's a little off with that. I think it's more. But regardless. Then when my customer wants one, he or she has to pay your greedy Chicago vape taxes for trying to smoke smarter and do less harm to his or her body. I see in your new tax act that you've added very little tax to Big Tobacco's prepackaged cigarettes. Of course, Big Tobacco doesn't freaking care either way because they don't pay. Your city doesn't pay. Chicagoans pay. And they want to make, and they, when they want to smoke a more pure and, and natural roll your own tobacco, which is legal, by the way, and a choice we're supposed to have as adults in a free society, you've raised the taxes on one ounce astronomically, $6.60 per ounce. All of a sudden, you decide you need to raise a million dollars in taxes to Chicago smokers so you can solve the problem of a two-week camp for school kids. I don't know what that is. You really care about education, don't you, Rom? How much are you going to tax? Are you nuts? If you'd like to talk, I'm more than happy, as vaping is in my mind and in the minds of many others, more of a harm reduction and the best way to smoke smarter, not gain weight, and live in an enhanced, life, live in, live in an enhanced lifestyle. Bye-bye, Chicago. We are now closed in the city. Uh, and then he goes on to uh, talk about other stores that will remain open in the online business, etc. I thought uh, I thought that was very... Re I, I really like his passion. In it. I've met Steve. He's a real colorful guy. Worth a read, worth a share. And it's a shame. I Now, the question is, how can any store stay in business? I So I, I received another e uh, email... And this came out of the blue. I don't know who this woman is. I don't know how she knew to contact me that I was going to do this. Maybe it was just lucky. Her name is Jamie McCanus. And she wrote me and said, hello, my name is Jamie McCanus, and I am the communica communications director for Taxpayers United of America, or the TUA. TUA was able to put a stop to a recent attempt at, at a tobacco tax hike in Chicago that would have con uh, cost consumers more than $6 million of their hard-earned income. I personally am a vapor, I am personally a vapor myself and have a personal interest in protecting the rights for others to continue to have access to such devices. Not only should the vaping community be aware of curtain calls to action, but we should pay attention to the times when we are able to fight back and win. 
TUA has been fighting tax hikes for decades. And as I'm sure you're aware, bills have uh, already been passed to tax and regulate e-cigarettes and vaping. The government will attempt to pass these tobacco, tobacco tax hikes again, and you can bet they will attempt to further tax and regulate e-cigarettes and vape products for the foreseeable future. Jarrett LaBelle, the director of operations at TUA, would be available to interview on your show to explain the recent tax hike and how they were successful in putting a stop to it. Please let me know if you're interested. I am, and I spoke with Jared today, and uh, we discussed uh, the situation, and we will be uh, having an interview with Jared. We'll find out how he was able to defeat the tax on tobacco. Unfortunately, the tax on e-liquid, at least um, for Cook County and Chicago, which is in Cook County, is on the book. So I want to talk about that. And uh, if you guys know any vape shops in Chicago, um, can you send them my way? I'd love to interview them. I'd like to talk to them. I I can't imagine how all of them aren't shutting their doors. I mean, the only thing you can do is ignore the tax, and that's not a great long-term strategy. Um, I want to know what these companies are doing. This is a, this is a disaster. So uh, that's a little bit of what will be happening uh, next week on ClickBang. Uh, go on, let me go back in the mailbag for a second. Now, why did I close that? That was very foolish. Okay, so I got a... I got an email from... This is from a different Sean, Sean Donovan. And he sent me this, and I was uh, very happy uh, to read it. Hi, Russ. Just thought I'd share my smoking, vaping, and snooze story. As I feel after your first show this year, you really helped me out. I started vaping five-plus years ago. Went through the usual vaping emotions, bought lots of hardware and hundreds of juices, etc., etc. I vaped solidly for three years, but after a couple of life events, I went back to smoking. Smoked for two years just as much as I did before, around two packs a day. I tried and tried to start back with the vaping, but I found it almost impossible to do so. Strange, seeing as I realized that vaping works, there just seemed to be a huge mental block which I was unable to overcome. I treated myself to some new hardware and thought this might help. It didn't work, and I found myself in a hole. Your first show this year, however, rekindled the small amount of knowledge that I had about snus. To make a long story short, I bought some snus and can say that it has probably helped save my life. I think it's fantastic. I've only tried Thunder Original, but to be honest, I'm very, very happy with it. I really don't have any inclination to try any flavored snus, which I find quite weird, seeing as all the hundreds of pounds worth of juice I had to buy just to be content. No more $200, uh, 200 pounds worth of, uh, I guess he's in the UK, no more uh, 2,000 pounds, uh, 200 pounds worth of hardware needed. Just pop it under your lip and away you go. I'd just like to say thank you for helping me find a way out of smoking again. I'm not v knocking vaping at all, but I just struggled so much to return to it. Love the VP Live Network and will and will continue to listen to your shows regardless of whether I vape, smoke, or do nothing. Thanks, Russ. Sean. And that is all I could have possibly wanted from doing. I've, I've done two shows on snooze. Um, you know, I did get other emails from people that said that they are really enjoying this, enjoying snooze and using it. Um, but uh, this... 
you know, when you do a podcast, when you do a podcast, you want a lot of people to listen to it, obviously. With this, with those two shows on, I did on Snooze. I hope other people enjoyed it. But if he was the only one that listened to it, it all would have been 100% worth it. Thank you, Sean. That email uh, really, really, really made my day. Okay. So that about does it for the mailbag. All right. We did that. We did that. Oh, okay. Uh, for people in New Jersey, there is a bill in New Jersey that will ban all flavored e-liquids except tobacco, clove, and menthol. So all other flavors in New Jersey will be banned. This is terrible. Obviously, it's bad enough in New Jersey. You can't even vape in a vape shop. So um, if you live in New Jersey, I mean, there's the bill. You know, share it, and uh, you can write to your legislators with the CASA call to action. There's the link, and it will be uh, included in the replay notes, of course. In Vermont, what's going on there? They are using taxpayer dollars so that children can lead the fight. This is this is pretty common. It's just so distasteful. I hate it when these politicians, they line up these kids, they bust them in, and, uh, you know, it's like extra credit for the kids to to lead out against something they could po they, they couldn't possibly know a thing about and they're used it's 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 like they're human shields they're just, it's just it's disgusting i hate it and that's what they're doing okay um my two quick cents on what's going on in the presidential race so far obviously unless you're living under a rock you know what's going on um iowa caucuses and New Hampshire primaries are now uh, complete. Uh, Bernie Sanders virtually tied Clinton uh, by popular vote in Iowa. There seemed to be some shady stuff. And, and the Iowa caucuses, what a shit show. They've got like a, they've got a system that, that, I mean, it's like, it's the most backwards, confusing, and just plain stupid system to have a, 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 an election. It's, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense at all. And the re the only reason why Hillary's walking away with most of the delegates is because when they can't figure out who wins a district, they just flip a coin, right? When it's too close to the call. Clinton won six coin tosses. So it's like it's like someone flipping a coin six times and you call it right all six times. That's hard to do. I don't know what the chances are offhand. I, I assume it's at least, I'm just going to guess it's over one in 600. It's got to be. Anyway, it's, you know, try it. You, you won't you won't do it. So this weird backward system, but, you know, who knows what's going on there. What was much, much, much more, uh, and uh, Cruz won uh, on the Republican side. Trump coming in second, which was pretty important because he had basically no ground game there. Moving on to New Hampshire. Um, Sanders clobbered Clinton has now become the first ever Jewish person to ever win a primary. Uh, Clinton was, was absolutely destroyed something. So, uh, and Trump also won. Now, listen, I am, 
a big of I, I'm a fan of Bernie Sanders as much as I'm a fan of Donald Trump. Not at all. I don't like either of them. I would never in a million years consider voting for either of them. In fact, the only the only candidate I think I would have voted for this election, maybe, would have been Rand Paul, who sadly has dropped out to um, concentrate on his Senate race. He just wasn't doing well enough. And the the, the problem, he just, he the, the more libertarian he was, the better he was doing, and the more he tried to appeal to the core of the Republican Party, the worse he did. I guess he's, I hope he's learned that lesson for next time. Because his father, who was honestly at a, his father did so much better just by being himself, you know, maybe he learned something. I don't know. We'll see. But he's gone. So I won't be voting for any Republican or Democrat this election uh, unless they put up somebody I really don't like. I'll be very likely voting either um, for the Libertarian candidate. I'm assuming it would be Gary Johnson. Uh, if not, I will be voting for uh, Vermin Supreme, actually. I think he is a Democrat. Um, you should Google uh, Vermin Supreme. He's quite an interesting fellow. Definitely worth voting for. Um, so that's that. So now, so like I said, I don't like Sanders and I don't like Trump. But I very much like the havoc that they're causing. Because this, uh, the GOP and the DNC are in a complete meltdown mode right now. Now, Trump is one thing. Trump's got billions of dollars, celebrity status, knows how to work the media. Um, so while it's surprising that someone who, you know, less than a decade ago, I mean, was a, was a, was a registered Democrat and was clearly not a Republican, and even though now he's a Republican, like, you know that, you know, I mean, he's saying all this stuff. He doesn't believe it. He, he doesn't believe in all that shit. Some stuff he does, but he's not a Republican by any stretch of the man. He's a mainstream establishment Republican. He is not. They don't want him. They don't like him. So given that I don't like any of the candidates, yeah, I definitely want him to do as well as possible because he is least like what they are. Same thing on the uh, Democratic side, which is far, far more remarkable because you got th this guy, Bernie Sanders, a Jew from Brooklyn who, if you're really paying attention, he won't come out and say it. But he's basically, it, I think he's an atheist. All right. So he's one of the, he's either a Jew or an atheist. I mean, either, either is not particularly uh, politically desirable to be. That's first off. Second off, he wasn't even a, a member of the Democratic Party, you know, last, last year. He has never been a registered, a Democrat. The, the last time he was um, registered to any party at all, I think it was like 30 years or more ago, some weird socialist party he was a, a part of. He's never been a Democrat until now. I, I don't even know that he's a member of the party yet. Uh, he probably is, but um, that was very, very recent. So we've got another guy who's as uh, just about as far away as you could get from a member of the party. Now, does he vote m most mostly vote in line with, with Democrats? Yes, but he's a, a crazy old Jew socialist and he beat the snot 
out of the one of the biggest political organizations that has ever existed. The, 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 what, what Clinton and the war chest that she has, the name recognition, the whole thing, the party insider through and through, and he beat the snot out of her. He probably beat her in Iowa, and there is no question, a landslide in Vermont. Now, things get much harder for him down the line. Um, he did, uh, he, I'm sure he did have some hometown favoritism, given that he's just right next door to New Hampshire. So things get a lot tougher from him going forward. But this momentum and this victory is massive. And that being said, like I said, I'd never vote for Sanders. But I'll tell you what, out of anyone who is running right now, someone's got to win, right? I, we all know it's either going to be Sanders or Clinton or, you know, Trump, Rubio, or Cruz is, is what it's looking like, right? It's going to be one of those five people, almost almost for certain, okay? So I would not vote for any of them, but if any of them, of them were to become president, which which outcome would I be most favorable? favorable would, would I like um, or dislike the least? It would actually be Sanders. And the reason why is because all the crazy economic policy shit, he'll never get it through. Keep in mind, in Bernie Sanders, I, he's been in the he's been in in, in the in, in Congress for decades, right? How many things was he actually able to pass? I think one bill. So all that crazy economic stuff, there's no way he is going to get he is he's going to get making college free for everybody through Congress. There is no way he's going to get those tax hikes through Congress. So all the crazy shit, he will not succeed in, right? So that what does that leave? That leaves foreign policy. I think he is the only candidate that is sincere, although I got fooled by Obama. I thought Obama was sincere about it, but I don't know. Sanders, at least you could look at, you know, Obama, who knew, you know, he was a, I think he was only a one-term senator when he, when he started running or, or something. So you had, you really didn't know much about the guy. Sanders, at least you can, you can look at decades of voting records and it seems he's truly an anti-war guy. So I don't see any way that we are going to be less involved in this, in this foreign interventionism, adventurism America being the policeman of the world, I don't think that we'll be better off than anyone except him. I do truly believe that he hates war and that this will be scaled back significantly. That's the only good result I can see. And it's and that, not something he really has to vote on. He's the commander-in-chief. It's up to him. If he wants to go and start a war, pick a war with someone, I don't see it happening. So that's my two cents. Other than that, go go Gary Johnson, I guess. Not too much to show else to be excited about. So let's talk about what the fuck is going on in Europe. I touched on this last week, and I keep learning more and more about it, and the more I learn about it, the, the, the crazier this shit is. 
Now, I talked about modern feminism in general last week, and I mentioned the fact that there are a lot of incidents of mass rape, um, cologne on New Year's Eve, hundreds of sexual assaults and rapes on women um, by uh, North African or, uh, or Middle Eastern men who are uh, or migrants to the country, either migrants or refugees. Uh, there's been murder in Sweden. Um, they're, they're experiencing this in Norway, in Germany. It is, it's becoming a true epidemic in Europe. Women are not safe to walk around in their own country. Why, uh, you know, they, they, it's, it's chilling. It's, it's, it's frightening. I mean, what was going on in Cologne on New Year's Eve was just the scene of complete chaos of men roving in packs and attacking women, you know, five, six men at a time, rape, sexual assault, uh, theft. It is... It's, 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 if you're not outraged and disturbed, there's something wrong with you. This is, this is crazy what's going on. And it's not just, it's all over Europe. It's happening. So I've been reading more and more about this. And the more I learn, not only the, the more crazy it gets, just the more questions I have. Now, here's the thing. I have such a clear opinion on just about every political issue i can talk about it intelligently cite i, I use logic and do i change my mind on things yes and sometimes rarely yes but at this point i'm i'm pretty square with everything i believe in i'm always interested to hear new ideas the one thing i really really don't know what to think about is immigration now if you had asked me as i was a harry brown supporter in Oh, I guess that was uh, 2000 uh, when he was running. I could tell you I felt very strongly about open borders. I believe that we should have an open border. People should be able to come and go into this country. We should have very lax immigration policy. I believed in that pretty strongly. Now I don't know what to believe. I really don't. Just watching what's happening in Europe right now is really making me question what the hell is the right thing to do about immigration? I spent some time looking at our, our country's history of immigration, how it's changed. It has changed so many times, gone from almost completely open to completely closed. It goes back and forth. It changes constantly. And then you got this guy, you know, you got Trump. He's up there saying, we should just completely halt immigration to Muslims. And, you know, when he said that at first, I said, what a fucking idiot. That is just a crazy, crazy thing to say. And that, there's no way that would ever happen, right? But then you look at Europe. And there's really no doubt to this conclusion that I'm about to draw. If they did that in Germany and Sweden and Denmark and Norway and France and England, if they did that, which they would never do, but if they did, if they did stop all immigration to Muslims, there would be thousands and thousands of horrible crimes against mostly women, but also men, that never would have happened. How can you be against that?
Now, hindsight is obviously 2020. But we in this country have an opportunity now to look at that and say, look at what's going on over there. We have an opportunity to avoid or prevent that in this country. What do we do? I would have never thought in a million years, six months ago, a year ago, that I would even be entertaining this thought as anything more than xenophobia. But the more you learn about it, the more you really have to question what the fuck is going on here. Now, here's the thing. This isn't about Syrian refugees. That is a country that it's, it's being decimated by a brutal civil war. Most of those refugees, to the best of my knowledge, are women and children who are just running for their lives. Yeah, these people need help, and I don't think you're going to see much problem from them. That's not who, who, who the people are who are committing these mass rapes in Germany, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what's going on. In many cases, these are people who have been in the countries for a long time. Here's what's going on. These men who are coming from, from radical Islamic countries, their entire life have been living a certain way with certain laws. And the culture says that women are property. The law in many of these places that say when a woman gets raped, she gets buried in the sand, and stoned. That's the law. That's the culture. That if a woman does so much as show an ankle in public, it's justifiable that she would be gang-raped. This is how they've been living their whole life. This is what their culture says is acceptable, that women should not go, cannot go to school, they cannot drive a car, they cannot go out in public with a man that they are not married to that they can be beaten by their husbands, that they are property. They are, for all intents and purposes, treated at best as good as a dog, in many cases much, much worse. This is all they've ever known. All of a sudden, they go from these horrible dark places but that's you know that's their culture and all of a sudden they're in a country where women have equal what rights to men they can wear mini skirts and tank tops they can go out they can drink alcohol they have all the same rights as men this is like this is like if you were to if you were to go and and you're you were transplanted from America or, or, or wherever you're listening from, assuming it's a a country with you know Western values. What if you were to be transplanted into another country or planet or whatever? And um, cats. Well, is that a good example? Well, sure. Cats and dogs and uh, and birds have equal rights in every way. To, to humans, it's the same thing. 
you you would be in culture you, you would be in culture shock i, I guess you'd, you'd figure out a way to or, or cows or whatever i'm struggling to find a good comparison because it's so ridiculous to think about but or, or how about um i don't know daffodils have equal rights to humans it's about it's the same thing really you know it's something that you never would have had to give a second thought you know that you can grow power flowers and pick them and put them in a vase so that it's pretty in your house. That would be equivalent to murder, right? It's just it's just as extreme for these for these Muslim migrants. Overnight, how on what on what planet do you think that these people are going to come to a new world where women are walking around with clothing that's covering you know twenty percent of their body? And they've been told their entire life that when women do this, they want to be raped. They want they want you to have sex with them. And rape has never been wrong for them their entire life. They've never been told that. Now, all of a sudden, they're in this new culture. What do you think is going to happen? Exactly what has been happening. What makes matters worse, and worse in all these countries, they don't have the Second Amendment. A woman cannot protect herself with a weapon or handgun. Here, it, when it happened uh, recently, here I have a link for, uh, for this. In um, was this in uh, Norway or Denmark? Uh, oh, in, in uh, yeah, in Denmark. So, some, some, uh, some uh, Muslim guy tried to rape a Danish girl, and the only way she was able to fight him off was that she had pepper spray and sprayed him in the face and then he ran away. What happened next? She was arrested. Because guess what? Forget about a gun in Denmark. You can't even have pepper spray. Now, the fine is several hundred dollars, but, you know, there's so much outrage over the incident that, you know, if they do decide to, after she, you know, gets her court date, they do decide to fine her. She won't be paying a dime. There's plenty, plenty of people who are stepping up. So that's good. But still, it just illustrates. Like, I mean, as a police officer, can you not use a little bit of common sense or the DA or whatever system they have there? For God's sakes, this woman was almost raped or worse. It's a 15-year-old girl. Thank God she had pepper spray on her. You're going to actually charge her? Just fucking take it away from her. I mean, really? But none, but none of these women have the opportunity to carry a handgun. Forget it. Pepper spray. They have to count on the police to protect them. And the police could do nothing on New Year's Eve in Cologne. It was, it was a fucking rape orgy. And they couldn't do anything to stop it. As far as I know, they have made exactly one arrest or maybe two arrests so far. Out of hundreds of incidents. Now, thankfully, in this country, in most of the country, I should say, we do have the Second Amendment that works. We do have the uh, ability for women to have the ability to carry a concealed uh, firearm. So um, it'd be tough for that to happen here. But still, I mean, you got to look at this. We're talking about the same people. We're talking about the same people potentially coming to our country who don't know that rape is bad. They have no idea. 
I mean, what do you do? How do you deal with that? You know, I've always been in favor of that the least government possible is the best government possible, but geez, I mean, we don't want this, do we? I mean, this isn't a hypothetical situation. This is happening now and it's getting, it's going to get worse. I mean, a lot of these countries, you know, some of them are saying, okay, we got to send some of these people back. Most of them are not. What the fuck do you do? This is scary shit. So, what do you do if you are one of these people who are supposedly standing up for the rights of women where the, the worst possible thing well the worst possible thing is murder obviously but after that it's got to be rape right i can't think of the, a worse assault than rape than murder so that's it that's the pinnacle of someone being violated you know besides murder right and who talks about it more than anyone well this, the modern feminists do they will not say a word about this Let me play a song for you. There's a story behind this song, too. Here's a little song. I am an Islamist. I am a feminist. You might not think we have very much in common. But we share essentially the same ideology. And Muslims are oppressed just like every woman. I say haram. I say problematic. You say everything's triggering. And you say everything's uncharenic because you are an Islamist. And you are a feminist. We, we have, have so very much in common. I say Islamophobia. I say misogyny. I blame the Jewish media. And I blame the patriarchy because I am a feminist. And I am an Islamist. A whiny pair of little spastics. You know what makes me feel like really marginalized, yeah? It is when ignorant people remind me that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had sex with a little nine-year-old girl. Mohammed had sex with a child? Oh, that's awesome! That means that every white cisgendered heteronormative pedophile here in the West is guilty of cultural appropriation! And that's the real societal problem! Oh, yeah! See, it's easy when you look at the world through problematic glasses. Oh, who'd have <laughs> thought that you and me would get along so well? I say social justice. I say jihad. I say slut walk. I say whore, where is your hijab? Cause I am an Islamist. And I am a feminist. We have so very much in common. So do you mind if I rape you now? Oh, don't be silly. It's not rape when a Muslim does it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> so that last line was the title of my show. Um, modern feminists don't think that rape when a Muslim does it. Now, obviously, that's a parody video. The feminists didn't make that video. But I'm going to prove to you that that's exactly what they think. They've come out publicly and said it. I'll get to that in a second. There's another, there's a, there's a story behind that video. Um, uh, fuck. Uh, Richard Dawkins, 
Richard Dawkins. Uh, uh, let me see. So he was. Uh, he's a without going to. He's a prominent atheist, skeptic, thinker. Um, not sure if he's won a Nobel Prize or not. Uh, he's just very the celebrated scientist. So he sent out a tweet with that video. He basically retweeted um, something. He says, "Obviously, doesn't apply." to vast majority of feminists, among whom I count myself, but the minority are pernicious. And then he tweeted that that video. He's a outspoken critic of um, Islamists and to a lesser degree, these third wave feminists. Now, here is what these modern feminists said. They never objected to the content of the video. They objected to the fact that the woman in the video uh, the, the the guy is just some random Muslim, right? The woman is actually um, a caricature of an actual feminist. They, I think they call her Big Red or something. I'm not sure. Whatever. She was on uh, last week's show. She was one of the people screaming at the men trying to, you know, go to the conference about uh, why why um, young uh, young men and boys are. Um, committing suicide at an alarming rate, like six times more than women of the same age. It's a and growing. So they were protesting that that meeting. She was one of the ones who was screaming and yelling the most about it. It's just a just a shill freak. Their complaint was not the content of the song, because they agree. The content that the, their complaint was. That this woman, who is the character, who is the character caricature of this real woman, has received rape threats. Okay, now I don't know if that's true or not. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Okay, fine. They don't care. They did not care about the content of the song. They just cared that a feminist who has, let's give her the benefit of the doubt, has received rape threats, was depicted in it. So. He was made aware of this, and Richard Dawkins said, having learned that the woman in the joke song is a real person who has been uh, disgracefully threatened with violence, I'm deleting my tweets. Okay, fine. Um, that wasn't good enough. Um, the uh, society that he was supposed to speak for, the Northeast Conference on Science and Skepticism in uh, New York City, uh, the NECSS has withdrawn its invitation to Richard Dawkins to participate at NECSS 2016. We have taken this action in response to Dr. Dawkins' approving retreat of a highly offensive video. Um, so they kicked them off. So, okay, fine. But now, listen, being silent about that message that it's not rape if a Muslim does it. Si uh, silence is, uh, well, thunderously loud, but it's not a tacit endorsement. But here we have that. So in Sweden, okay, here we go. So in Sweden, um, their prominent modern feminist, third wave feminist, um, has uh, created a hashtag. Um, it's called Inte er Kirvina. And that translates to not your woman. Here is their position. 
Uh, I'm going to read from uh, this article. Lately, Europe has been one giant rape party for migrants. Encouraged by a useless government, local men have been rising up to protect the women. So that is, you know, the Swedish men, the German men, uh, you know, um, they feel like this responsibility to help protect the women because clearly the police can't do it by themselves. Most women, even some feminists, would be relieved to know that at least someone is offering help. In a life or rape situation, people would take any help they can get, but not them, not these women. They created the hashtag, not your woman, where they spewed their hatred over racism, fascism, white men, and many other things that can be loosely tied to the events with some cognitive dissonance. In short, they made a collective tantrum on social media over the fact that white European men are standing up to these rapists. Yes, feminists are angry again. Not because women are being sexually assaulted. Not because the women can't legally defend themselves. Not because their governments deny the connection between skyrocketing numbers of rape and rapes and, and migrants. They're outraged because men want to protect them from rape. If these women truly care about the welfare of women, why aren't there any feminist vigilante groups actively protecting would-be rape victims? These feminist arguments aren't, we don't need you, women can protect themselves. It's merely one of self-defeat. They would rather let themselves be violated by rapists than saved by a European man. So, I mean, it's it's basically what they're saying. And I, I there's actually pictures. I actually, I'm going to have to go through. I, I don't want to spend time. There's one link. But I have another where these women are actually tweeting that they they actually would rather be raped by a Muslim than protected by a white European man. I mean, has the, has the world gone fucking crazy? And of course, no other feminists are talking about this. They're not talking about, there is this real rape culture. There is real mass rape of women and they won't say a word about it. It is proof positive that these, these modern feminists, they don't care about women. They only care about themselves. They only care about their own, uh, their own, I hate, I hate to call it a career, but their own career in hatred of white men and the patriarchy. I mean, the, the, you, you, you can't put it any more plainly than that. I'd rather be raped than helped by a white man. Here's another link for you. Now, um, here's what's interesting. The Swedish government has decided they're actually, they're not blocking websites. They're actually blocking particular news articles. Any news article about a Swedish woman being raped, attacked, or murdered, which has happened in Sweden by a Muslim or by a refugee, is blocked. So here's what it means. And there's a there's a guy who did um who did some analysis of, of actually what's going on. And you can do this yourself actually if you really want to. What he did, because he didn't believe it, what he did is 
he went and clicked on a bunch of articles that were just standard news articles, you know, Daily Caller, um, BBC, you know, standard mainstream media sites, right? About attacks on Swedish women by um, Muslim migrants, right? And he's clicking on them. Okay, fine. They load fine. Now, if he puts himself behind a VPN, which is basically a, it's kind of like a program on your computer that makes the internet think that you're somewhere where you're not. So where did he put himself? He put himself in Sweden. He used the Swedish VPN because he was getting messages from Swedish people saying, I can't get these articles. Anytime I click on these, these articles that are on your blog, I get a, I get an error page and the, the article doesn't exist. So he put him, he didn't believe them. So he put himself behind a Swedish VPN and lo and behold, none of those articles, not websites, because if he went to that website and went to an article that wasn't on the subject, it loaded fine. Just those specific articles about violence towards Swedish women. You are blocked from reading them in Sweden. That cannot be done without the government setting up a blockade on, on doing however they're doing it. They're flagging specific news stories. Some of these stories aren't even... You know, taking a, they're just, they're reporting on the crime. They're not, they're not drawing any political conclusion. They're just, it's, it's reporting, it's reporting the news. When a woman is murdered, no matter how, and when a human is murdered, doesn't matter. When someone dies in a violent attack, that's newsworthy. Of course, there's going to be news about it. But you can't read that news in Sweden if it's about a Swedish woman at the hands of an Arabic or, or a Muslim man. Why are they doing this? This does nothing to help the safety. That, that, that Obfuscating this news, which is very important from your citizens, it, it does not make them any safer, that's for sure. When the, when the mass rapes happened in Cologne, what did the mayor of the city say? He said, what can, what can we do? How do we make... How do, how do women protect themselves? How, what are we going to do about this? What did the mayor say? Don't, don't walk near people. Always go out in groups. Uh, don't wear revealing clothing. What the fuck? It's like, what he's saying is, well, when you walk around by yourself, and if there's and you're and you're and you're not being covered up, the you're asking for it. That's what he's saying. He's he's blaming them. This is what this is what feminists have been saying for years. Like the, the whole argument, she was asking for it because she wore she was wearing a miniskirt, right? And that was something that was legitimate, legitimately, it's at least in some degree a problem in this country. You know, maybe fifty years ago. And thank God we you know that that doesn't happen anymore. But now it's actually happening. And who does he blame? He blames the women. What do the feminists say? Nothing. But what about in this country? In this country, the debate on a rape culture is alive and well. Feminists take the position that we are living in a, in a rape culture. You know, it's funny. Um, well, it's not funny. Um, no, I think it's odd to say that. I think that rapists get thrown in jail. In fact, I think all a woman really has to do is say, this guy raped me, and whether or not it happened, 
that guy's in big trouble one way or the other. Because even in the cases, and I can't, I can't keep up with all of them. All the men who are being released from, from prison for 10, 20 years because they were accused of rape. There was no physical evidence. And then some evidence comes out or the woman changes her story or uh, there's an investigation into it. It's too late. Even if he hasn't gone to prison, his name has been drugged through the mud in the press. People probably didn't see the other. They saw the first headline. That will, his name, when it is Googled, will always come back with a story about rape for the rest of his life, even though he did nothing. All the woman said was rape. How often is this happening? As a percentage, I have no idea. I keep finding dozens of these articles every week. And what happens? Here's, okay, let's let's take the most common, uh, the, the mo one of the most widely known cases. Stand by. Most of you have probably heard about Jackie. Jackie was a woman who was uh, going to the UVA, University of Virginia, and Rolling Stone ran a story on her where, where she claimed that a member of a, of a fraternity on campus um, told her to come over to the fraternity house for a date. And when she came in, she came into a room and he was there with five other men. They gang raped her brutally, viciously, bloodied her. The, the, the whole thing, it sounds like just the worst possible thing ever. This ran in Rolling Stone, created international news, uh, a story that obviously completely fits their narrative. Here's the thing. The author did no fact-checking at all whatsoever didn't even bother to check to see if the man that she identified as the rapist was an actual human being, let alone one that attended the university, let alone that, attend, that, that was a member of the fraternity. The quote-unquote victim told her about her friends who treated her coldly and callously as she came back to them bloodied and didn't think much of anything. She didn't think to go and she told them who they were. She never thought to contact them to say, what do you remember about that night? Now all the facts have come out. Everything that she said was a lie. Everything. She made up the entire story. And now, for the first time, we know why. The reason why she made up this story is because when she came to the school, she met a, a, a young man her age, a freshman, and she liked him. She told him so. She wanted to enter into a relationship with her. He didn't want to. So what did she do? She made up a human being. Uh, gave him, you know, some guy who didn't exist, gave her a, a phone, gave him a, a phony name and started showing her friend who she liked these texts that she was getting from this guy who didn't exist. She was sending the texts herself. She made up this human. This was in some sort of plot to make him want her and it didn't work.
So let me let me read from the story because now all these text record, all these text messages are now public information because there's a lawsuit going on between both the uh, the fraternity. Because as soon as this happened, I mean, can you imagine what it was like on that campus? There's a mass gang rape that was done by a fraternity that was called out by name in, I mean, first it was on campus, then it was in Rolling Stone. I mean, it, every single person in that university knew or thought they knew about this horrible crime that happened. What do you think life was like for those guys? As far as anyone in that, in that entire university, they, this entire fraternity was a bunch of rapists. Their charter was immediately suspended. In fact, their charter was suspended, but all Greek life was shut down in the university. Uh, the, the, uh, the woman who was in charge of uh, Greek life was, was attacked, besmirched, her, uh, you know, for not handling it, not handling it right. I, I don't remember exactly why. And, you know, certainly people on the campus, they knew, you know, that, and, and her friends, you know, who supposedly treated her so badly. So here's what happened. The guy who she really liked, who uh, this Jackie, <clears throat> pardon me, set, you know, made this fake person to communicate with and then later, you know, said raped her. So this guy said, I met Jackie on the second day. He was excited to meet new friends. Um, he quickly connected with some fellow first-year students at orientation, Jackie, Alex Stock, and Catherine Hendry. They met uh, together at an orientation. I think uh, uh, it became pretty clear that Jackie wanted a relationship with me about a week after I met her, said Ryan, uh, during an interview to, uh, with CBS uh, reporter Laura French. She started expressing some physical interest in me, which I rebuffed. It was a rejection which the lawyers currently representing UVA Associate Dean's office said led to this deception. She tells us that she met this new guy, said Alex, who is close friends with Ryan and the others. She likes to talk about him, which I thought was interesting because she had a huge crush on Ryan at the time. Jackie told her friends that new, the new guy was an upperclassman named Haven Monahan. Ryan said Jackie even convinced him to text Haven posing as a girl named Brianna to learn more about him. I know this is getting very weird and hard to follow. Just to make this clear, Jackie, the girl who made all this shit up, said to her friend Ryan, who she wanted and to have a romantic relationship with convinced Ryan to text Haven, who is a person that doesn't exist and is actually her Jackie. He, she convinced Ryan to pretend to be a girl named Brianna and text with this fake person, Haven, who is actually Jackie to learn more about him. Please try to follow this. This is fucked up. She said that Haven Monahan was someone in her chemistry class who had been interested in her and expressed that to her, but she wasn't really interested in him, Brian said. She came up with this plan, and she got me and Alex to pretend to be other girls in Haven's class and text Haven to gauge whether or not he was a good person or not, Brian said. CBS obtained logs of hundreds of text messages between Ryan, Jackie, and the person on the other hand, and who was presumed, presumed to be Haven Monahan, a fraternity member who would later be accused of rape by Jackie. The documents are now in the hands of attorneys and CBS has redacted Jackie's last name and put them online here. And fuck that. Why is the press still protecting this woman? Everyone knows she made everything up. Any news reports you see, 
They won't tell you Jackie's last name and they won't show her face. Fuck that. This woman deserves to be in jail. Her name is Jackie Croakley. C-R-O-A-K-L-E-Y. Fuck that. She deserves no protection at all. She's not a rape victim. She's a liar. And, you know, potentially ruined hundreds of lives, at least for a period of time, because she had a crush on a friend. She went through all this. Haven Monahan to Ryan. This is all text messages. Hey, it's Haven on my Blackberry. You get it. Ryan to Haven. Got it. Please talk to me and Kim. I sit right behind you. All right. Let me, uh, ugh. I can't read. I can't go through reading a hundred text messages. Basically, it's this elaborate plot. It's so fucking complicated. I mean, I'll give them to you if you want to. Jeez, uh, let me get to some good ones here. I mean, there's so fucking many. She, I mean, the amount of effort she put into this. I mean, you have to be a crazy person to do this to create an alternate person that doesn't exist to text with the guy that you want to get in his pants. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's th there's too much. I should have just picked out some, some particular ones. <laughs> well, anyway, basically what it, what it comes down to is after a while, Haven, who of course is Jackie, starts asking Ryan questions about, well, you, do you think I should ask her out? And, and Ryan, you know, then, then Jackie starts telling Ryan, well, you know, maybe I should give him a shot. I thought he was a douchebag, but maybe he's an okay guy. So I think I maybe you should go out with him. And Ryan says, okay, sure, uh, you should go out with him. And then Ryan texts Haven as a girl named Bianca. Yeah, you know, maybe ask her out, take her out to something or this or that. So this whole fucking mind fuck of a fake people text message chain of go back and forth. And finally, um, Jackie agrees to go out with this guy who doesn't exist and now Ryan is aware of it. Okay. So she gets all so she gets all dressed up and meets her friends and says, "Okay, I'm going to see Haven now and we're going to go here. Um I'll call you later after our date." Right? So after the date, she calls her friends or texts them whatever, one or the other, and says, "You got to come meet me. Something horrible has happened." So what happens? They go, they meet her. Um, very near the fraternity house. And she tells him, she tells her friends, actually, not just Ryan, but the two others, uh, one, one male and one female. She says that when she went into the fraternity house, Haven led her into a room where there were five guys. She had to have, forced to have oral sex with all of them. And then they threw her down on a, uh, and they threw her down and gang raped her. And then she left. Now, um, they immediately said, let's go to the police. I mean, we, we have to go to the police. And she said, no, um, let's, uh, let's get some of her now. And, and that, you know, I, I can't put myself in that. I mean, obviously this is all fake, but let's assume let, uh, this has actually happened to people in the past. So. When someone is, is gang raped, I can't really imagine what's going through their head. Um, they might not want to go to the police for one of a million reasons. I don't hold any judgment over that. So, I mean, you know, I think they were just really uh, concerned about her um, and were willing to go along with anything to try to help her. Now, um, so she refused to go to the police. Um, 
Okay, where are we going to go here? Okay, text show the conversation after the alleged rapes. Okay, uh, Jackie called Duffin from UVA grounds uh, near the uh, the Phi Kappa Psi house around 1130 at night. She told him she needed to meet her. Something bad had happened. She said that when they got up to his bedroom, there were other men. Okay, I've already gone through this. Um, uh, Duffin and Stock said Jackie refused to go to the police and instead asked them to stay the night with her. Ryan and I both slept on the floor and encouraged her to go talk to somebody, uh, Ryan said. In the days to follow, Jackie texted Ryan. Jackie to Ryan. Ryan, you know you're my favorite person of all time and I trust you more than anything in the world. I just need time to clear my head and I will go and report it. I need to do it when I'm ready, though. And right now I'm not. Right now I just need someone to hug me and give me chocolate or something. And in a few hours or a few days I'll be ready. Ryan to Jackie. I don't care even if anything happens to Ryan or the other guys anymore. I just need to see that you're okay. Jackie to Ryan. I went to the women's center. Ryan, how did it go? Jackie, I don't even know. They asked me all of my past sexual history and if I sleep around here and if I was drinking or on drugs and they kept asking me why I hadn't used the golden rule of never going to a party alone and I should have been with a group and why was I there and did I know anyone? They asked like a billion questions and once I told them I didn't want to press charges, they said the frat is out of uh, Charlottesville police jurisdiction anyway, and they referred me to their counseling uh, department. Um, the woman I talked to was kind of a big bitch. I don't know what she's doing working there. She has no bedside manner whatsoever. None of these conversations ever happened. Uh, uh, of course, the Rolling Stone reporter never bothered to contact these people, but other serious journalists did. These conversations never happened. Ryan, well... I hope you're at least a little bit better now. Uh, Jackie, yeah, I think uh, the best thing for me to do is not to think about it or overanalyze or over-obsess about it, just to move on. Ryan, okay, yeah. Uh, Jackie to Ryan. Um, Haven came by and apologized. Another, the rapist came by and apologized. Ryan, did it do any good? I, I wouldn't expect it to. Jackie to, to, to Ryan. He asked me for a second chance, and I said, no way, but I told him I forgave him for what happened Friday night. And then he thanked me for not reporting him, which made me feel weird. But the bottom line is I'm bad at being angry at other people. So all I can do is forgive them. Now, so there's all this, all this, there's all these text messages. This would have been available if oh, they could, the, the Rolling Stone reporter or her fucking editor for fuck's sake, right? This is not some fucking blog in some guy's basement. This is Rolling Stone. This is one of the last successful print magazines that used to do responsible news journalism. They didn't talk to anyone except Jackie. Three years later, Ryan and Alex portrayed as two other guys in the Rolling Stone piece. They gave them fake names, but everyone knew on campus who they were. Read about that night and how they were portrayed. They said they read over the article countless times since it was published in 2014. Andy said you had a bad experience at a frat and you've been a baby ever since. Stock read around from the A Rape on Campus article, which is something I'd never say. I'm also portrayed as heartless, as a heartless friend, basically telling her not to report the rape because I want to join a fraternity one day. The very friends who came to Jackie's aid in, in 2012 said they were never contacted by the writer or anyone else in the, in the magazine. Ryan and Alex, look at that cop. Look at the copy. When I asked jo Jackie how Haven would have ever gotten this text, she said that she wrote as part of something through the counseling center at UVA. So it was on her file, and Haven happened to be employed as a receptionist at the counseling center, Duffin said. 
Looking back now, it seems so obvious at the time. You're wondering, why would you lie about all this? And why would this be the avenue that you take? A line from that letter reads, when, 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 when you like someone more than he likes you, you'll do anything to switch the scales. That desperation can be seen from the correspondence before the alleged rape even occurred. Once, Jackie told Duffin she was dying of some fucking disease. Um, yeah, whatever. It's a bunch of text. She's trying to convince him that she's, she's dying. I mean... Now, some of this shit wasn't making sense to Ryan, so he decided to reach out on his own to Haven. Still, I guess, I'm not sure if he was still posing as Melissa or as himself. Who fucking knows who can follow this shit? But of, of course, she, he's just texting Jackie. He doesn't know that for sure, but he, he knows something's up. And he tries to get a phone call with him, and uh, it just didn't happen, obviously, because the guy doesn't exist. And then uh, Jackie confronts Ryan, you know what, Ryan, I've always trusted you and put you first and believed you over everyone. I have no clue what the hell happened that made you suddenly distrust me and dig through the facts of my life, but fine. I'm not mad, and I'm sure you have a reason. But if you can't trust me and you feel the need to question everything because you think somehow I lied to you, then we can't be friends. When you are friends with someone, you trust them, and I have always trusted you. And if you're going to manipulate people and lying to try to get some information to prove some point, go for it. I have no idea what you'll prove, but go ahead. I hope you find that it is what you're looking for. And then he says, uh, I had to consider a possibility. It was a possibility that could make sense. We could find no evidence. I could find no evidence. Uh, well, I just lost my place. Uh, we could find no evidence that Haven ever was at UVA. People search turned up nothing. Even if he dropped out, he should still show up somewhere. We had more reasons. It was an answer that would have actually worked, but we wanted to be sure before we brought it up to you. I wasn't planning on Haven going and telling you because I knew that you'd react like this. Our friendship is over, Ryan. But, you know, even after that, I mean, she's basically in the clear at that point, more or less. But after all that, why would she go to fucking Rolling Stone where the entire, now it's not just the campus, it's the whole world does she not ever consider that this lie is so poorly put together that someone who can dial a telephone is going to instantly find out about numerous lies? Her friends met her that day. They saw her after the supposed rape. She had no marks, no blood, didn't even, it did not appear that she was in any kind of a traumatic situation. Yet she tells the Rolling, Rolling Stone reporter that after she was raped, she was bloodied everywhere because they threw her down on a glass coffee table with broke, which broke. So she was heavily bruised, heavily cut, and of course, uh, you know, raped and, and everything else. How could she not think that a And she was actually right that the reporter never decided to call anyone to actually ask. Obviously, since that, uh, Rolling Stone has issued an apology, redacted the entire article, and both the author of the story and the editor have been fired. So it gets, so, so here we have, and has Jackie ever been charged with a crime? No, because she never made a false report to a police officer. So the police can't really charge her with a crime, although I got to think somewhere with all this, she, I got to think she, by, by, now there is a libel case. 
is it libel or slander? I think it's slander. So I guess there's a slander case against uh, Jackie and Rolling Stone for all this stuff. So that's why all these text messages messages are out there now, because uh, you know obviously people's lives were, were defamed and the fraternity and it's a fucking mess and it's gonna be, you know, Rolling Stone is gonna they're gonna lose. I don't know. I don't know about her, um, but never do you think that this the, that the truth is going to come out but now that the truth now that the uh the truth is out and all the tweets oh god there's so many of them so if you want to read all this shit <laughs> here are all the text messages if you want to go through this um i have you know this is the first time i've ever linked to an aol website but i gotta tell you they did a good job with this they really they got all the stuff I, I guess most of it they got from cbs but they actually put it all together really well um so now that everyone knows that everything about this was a complete fabrication, you would expect at, at the very least for the feminist, you know, feminist groups to either just not say anything about this because they know this woman is a complete pathological liar who by doing this makes it that much harder for real rape victims to come forward. No, they double down. They double down on Jackie. The National Organization for Women, hardly an upstart modern feminist organization, one of the oldest feminist organizations in the country. They've been around for decades I think since the 50s or 60s, the National Feminist Organization, the National Organization for Women, is defending the former University of uh, Virginia student whose false rape claims against a group of fraternity members appeared in Rolling Stone that is now the subject of a massive defamation lawsuit. In an open letter published this week, NOW President Terry O'Neill called on UVA President Teresa Sullivan to intervene to stop Nicole Aramo a dean at the school, from pushing forward with her lawsuit against Rolling Stone and its reporter, Sabrina Rubin Erdley, for the November 2014 article, A Rape on Campus. Aramo filed a $7.5 million defamation lawsuit against Rolling Stone and Erdley last year. Besides faulting the magazine and its reporter for publishing the article without doing due diligence, Aramo's attorneys assert in that the UVA student at the center of the piece, a woman named Jap Jackie Coakley, is a serial liar who fabricated the assault in order to, get, to gain the attention of a man she was in love with. Besides the rape claim, Coakley allegedly lied about having a terminal illness. She also falsely posed as her own suitor, a UVA uh, student she called Haven Monahan, as part of the scheme to gain the attention of her crush and an engineering student named Ryan Duffin. Despite every suggestion that Coakley is lying about being raped, O'Neill contends in her open letter letter that the UVA dropout is a sexual assault survivor. What on God's green earth would make you think that? Everything she has ever said publicly has been proven to be an outright lie. Why do you pick this woman to get behind? Quote from the National Organization for Women, we recently learned about deeply disturbing action by one of your deans against a sexual assault survivor and a member of the UVA community, O'Neill wrote in the letter. It is this exactly this kind of victim blaming and shaming that fosters rape culture, 
re-victimizes those brave enough to have come forward and silences countless other victims, she continued, adding that Irma's demands recite nearly every false argument made to undermine victims of sexual assault. Irma has requested that Coakley turn over her emails and text messages early and others in order to show Pardon me. In order to show that Rolling Stone should have been more diligent about fact-checking the rape claims, the 9,000-word bombshell generated a media outrage, but in the weeks after the publication, Coakley's story and Erdley's reporting came under fire. Many details provided by Coakley did not match what she had told some of her friends at the time of the alleged assault. It also came to light that Erdley failed to obtain the names of the men that Coakley claimed raped her. The reporter did not attempt to contact the friend's who met Coakley on the night of their alleged rape, all, any and all of which contact would have immediately shown that everything was a lie. The article would have never been published. Those friends came forward after the article was published and disputed nearly all of Coakley's statements. But O'Neill cares not about all of that damning evidence. We are writing to request you to put a stop to what we regard as a re-victimization of this young woman, the feminist uh, activist wrote Sullivan. In our view... The filings display a very troubling pattern of abuse towards Jackie, a woman named in an article, which we cannot, which cannot be allowed to continue. Uh, NOW uh, expressed concern that Irma's lawsuit will have a chilling effect on women who are sexually assaulted. This has not only threatened Jackie's dignity and privacy, but also the dignity and privacy of numerous other student survivors on your campus, wrote O'Neill from the NOW, who characterized Irma as attacking a survivor in Coakley. We do not see how students who experience sexual assault at UVA will be able to trust university officials tasked with protecting them if this conduct is allowed to continue, O'Neill writes in her diatribe. Uh, <laughs> why do you, you, you double down on a pathological liar who for only a completely selfish reason that, that she just wanted to get in some guy's pants potentially ruining, ruining hundreds, if not thousands of lives of, of people who are connected to this. This is what you double down on. What has the National Organization for Women said about the hundreds of women in Europe who have been brutally raped or murdered or sexually assaulted? Nothing. Not one word. Why? It's because they don't care. It is only if it suits their political narrative. Now, the one thing I, I, I just couldn't understand from, I mean, why wouldn't any, any supposed feminist organization, why wouldn't they be outraged by any rape? Whether or not, well, it's because the more you read about modern or intersectional feminism, you learn about the fact that there's a hierarchy that different groups are viewed differently. And the worst, well, you can probably figure it out, the worst type of privileged human being is a white man who is uh, not transgendered. So a, a, they call it cisgender. So if you're a white guy born with a penis, you're basically, you're basically the devil. Now, who is... Who is on the flip side? You would think it would be a black woman, but it's actually not. It's Muslims. Because Muslims are viewed by intersectional feminists. They have decreed them, for whatever reason why, to be a persecuted group over their cultural beliefs and their religion. 
So they are given the highest status as being a victimized group. For some reason, they haven't changed this position in, in, in light of all these mass rapes that are happening in Europe now. But they're sticking to it. They dig their heels in. And they will not. They refuse to criticize or talk anything about mass rapes by Muslims over white European women. Partially on the one hand, because it's Muslims who are doing it. And on the other hand, it's because the um, victims are are almost exclusively white, female, cisgendered. I, I feel so stupid even saying that. White women who were born with a vagina, who's who are fairly low on the uh, on their their whole scale. It's a whole hierarchy I've learned about. It's crazy to the point where, just like I read to you before, these women are coming out and publicly saying, "We would rather be raped by a Muslim than to have a European man help." the rape not happen. So that song is meant to be a parody, but it's the truth. What fucking planet are we living on? How does any of this help any women? It doesn't. They don't care about women. These people are dangerous and selfish beyond any 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 possible imagination that I could ever have about what a fucking psychopath could do. And it keeps, and I, I'm not even going to go through all of these cases. But I'll put them here for you for you to read. Here's a case of a father who spent a decade in jail because his daughter went to the police and made up a story about him raping her when she was 11. After he was in jail for a decade, she took her story back. She made up the whole thing. Did the prosecutor decide to proceed with charges against her? Of course not. Oh, here's a fucking crazy one. So here's one. These guys are suing uh, this university. So here's the deal. This is a fucked up story. This one I'll actually go through. So there was a So these two guys were uh they're African American men. They um so there was a woman who Okay, so here's what she would do. She was having sex with both of these men, both one at a time, both two at a time. She would go over to their house and this was all her idea. She would go over to the house, which was a house where a bunch of uh, black athletes lived, I, I guess. She would go over and have sex with both of them at the same time while other guys from the house watched, while other white chicks who were also at the house, I don't know for what reason, maybe that reason, maybe not, would also watch. They, She would screw these two guys, two at a time, in front of an audience. For God's sake, she should have charged admission. Or sold confectionaries, you know. I, now, not only did she do that, then, after having group sex in front of an audience, would go to her friends and brag about it. Okay, so far there's nothing wrong with this story. And in fact, if you were selling admission, uh, I'll show up a half hour early for a good seat. This sounds like a fucking party. 
as long as this is all consensual. And fuck, she doesn't seem to mind. She's telling every, she's telling everyone and Bob's your uncle that you know this is going on. She's bragging about this, right? Nothing wrong with any of that. Not necessarily a girl you want to bring home for for Easter dinner, but hey, all consenting adults, right? No problem. What happens next? Well, I guess she changed her mind for some reason that she, that she didn't like this. She okay, okay. So ten days after this, this woman filed a sexual assault charge claim with the university. The administrators interviewed these two guys without telling them about the specific nature of the charges against them, did not speak to any of their housemates who witnessed this group sex. Why? I don't know. The administrators did speak to the white women who were at the house who witnessed this also. But then when those women's accounts when they told her this, this was all. This was a whole fucking fucking party, man. She, this girl, this chick was down. After they, these witnesses, these white women, told the administrators what was happening, the administrators punished those white girls because they disputed the girls who, the girl who made this up, as a rape. One of the they they fired one of the women from her work study job, and the other one was was uh, threatened to be expelled from the university. All they did was tell the truth. In fact, nobody who was a, wit a direct witness to any of this agreed with the charge, and they, the, the, as per usual, they hide this woman's name with MK, this woman who made up the rape thing. No one agreed with MK's claims except MK herself. All relevant witnesses had the same story. These two men, who by any account, by anyone who was a witness, had nothing but, yes, very freaky, but consensual sex with her, were expelled in 24 hours after the claim was was uh, was filed. There was no hearing, just a letter in the mail. A few hours later, after they notified Brown and Bailey of the expulsions, the administrator sent an email to campus that specifically identified them, falsely stated that they sexually assaulted a female student, and indicated that they were expelled from the university as a result of this conduct. The women who witnessed this group sex tried to speak up, but they were silenced by her residential advisor. I'm not sure how. The male friend who also had um, seen and, and overheard the bragging emailed the officials to inform them. They did nothing. So now, obviously, there's a lawsuit, and rightly so, by these two guys that got um, not only expelled, but their names besmirched. Holy shit. What a fucking scene. Yeah, let me give you a link to this. You can't, you really can't make this shit up. So it's like, I mean, it's fucking scary. I mean, even when there's witnesses, even where there's actual evidence of a woman bragging about how consensual and how great this group sex in front of an audience was. All she has to say is one four-letter word, rape, and lives are ruined. No fact-checking, no nothing. So it's no wonder that 
I, I can't stop finding more and more articles about this. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So this is good. I have another. As you can probably hear my, by now, my voice is rapidly failing. Now I've got another. One, two, three, four, five, six articles all about police abuse. That'll be for another day. I can't do it now. That's a whole new thing. I hope nobody takes issue. Um, I really don't know what else to say about, about this. I am, I've literally become obsessed with the subject there are women all over the world who are being killed, being raped, being robbed, being sexually assaulted all over the world. And the very people who are putting themselves on this pedestal as the savior and the protector of women are ignoring it. It's, oh. and it's not just them. The government's hiding it from their own people, telling women that, what the fuck is happening? And of course, I mean, I guess we've been lucky that this isn't happening here and God bless the Second Amendment. But what the fuck do we do about this? Obviously, what the fuck do we do?